Hello, and welcome to The Premise. I'm Jennifer Thompson, and I'm here with Chad Thompson, my co-host. Hey, Chad. Hello. How are you? Doing all right. Welcome. Hey, thanks for having me back. <laughs> yeah, it's good it's to been, have you. It's been a while. You've been doing all these uh, Warwicks things. I have. I've been doing a lot of interviews with Warwicks. But I'm really excited about today's guest. She is Angela Bull. She's the CEO of the Independent Book Publishers Association. That's IBPA. They are the largest book publishing association in the U.S., serving IBPA's mission to lead and serve the independent publishing community through advocacy, education, and tools for success. IBPA's vision is a world where every independent publisher has the tools and knowledge needed to professionally engage in all aspects of the publishing industry, and they do a damn good job. I've been a member of IBPA for, what, 17 years now? I think so, yeah. They used to be PMA, Publishers Marketing Association. We'll ask Angela about that. Prior to joining IBPA, Angela served two years as Deputy Executive Director of the Book Industry Study Group, that's BISG, an organization that fosters conversation and consensus across all sectors of the book business. Before that, she served two years as BISG's associate director and two years as its marketing and communications manager. Angela holds a master of science degree in book publishing from New York University and a bachelor of arts degree in English with a minor in gender studies from Indiana University, Bloomington. In 2018, she was awarded the Book Industry Study Group's Community Builder Award. Kind of awesome given to an individual in recognition of significant work done to engage a representative set of book industry stakeholders. And in 2019, she was named a Publishers Weekly Notable Person of the Year. Angela Bull, welcome to The Premise. Thank you. Well, uh, it's really great to be here. Yeah, that's kind of awesome. I mean, I didn't realize you had two degrees and that one of them was in writing. <laughs> well, literature, yeah. I, I've never actually called myself a writer. Okay. I work with so many amazing writers. I feel a bit disingenuous to, to take that title, but absolutely, two degrees. Oof, can't believe it. <laughs> and you do such good things with it. I mean, I remember when you came to IBPA, what was that? Gosh, how many years did I even just say it? You I, came to Seven IBPA or eight. Year? Seven or eight years ago at this point. Yeah. Yeah. You guys have done so much. I feel like IBPA has always been an amazing organization, but in the last seven years, I've just noticed this like uptick in, well, membership, in professionalism, and like across the board. Um, and I have to say that, you know, I would like to think of a lot of that is because of you and your leadership at IBPA. Well, that's um, lovely. Thank you. Yeah. It's been really awesome, like watching the growth, but let's... Let's have you tell our readers, you know, really what is the heart and soul of IBPA? Sure. Yeah. Well, our, readers, I do, our listeners, I should say. Our listeners, right. I, I appreciate that. I think um, I'll definitely call out to the staff, too. I mean, everyone that works at IBPA, I think they, they really love the job that we do. And we consider ourselves in the service industry as an association for independent publishers. So everything we do is in service to the independent publishers and membership, to the independent publishing community at large. Um, mm -hmm. and, and you were able to kind of call out our mission, which is to lead and serve the independent publishing community through advocacy, education, and tools for success. So, you know, I think we approach that from a yes philosophy. Yes mm -hmm. is the answer like to the question, you know, <laughs> if you want to come 
um, you know, within within reason of what's actually possible. But we we try to be extremely transparent in the work that we do and to approach everything with the um, the idea that all is possible. I mean, if if we can do it, we have a small staff, then then we want to do it. We want to we want to be able to help the members that are in service. Right now, we've got about um, thirty seven hundred members in our association, and and you're right that has been growing and and did grow over this year. This is crazy pandemic year. We did see membership growth as well. Wow, that's good to know. Yeah. I just had a flurry of questions in my head. Um, yeah, <laughs> I was like, wow, that was a lot. Um, I guess one of the things I wanted to know is what is the membership base in terms of you know author publishers, uh, independent publishers? Like, who who do you serve mostly? What's the we, what's the breakdown? We, yeah, yeah, the breakdown. Sure. Um, well, the the big umbrella is publishing, publishers, publishing, absolutely. But you know, we are agnostic as to the business model that our publishers come into the association with. So that means that we will serve uh, traditional independent publishers, absolutely. Um, and we will serve author publishers that would be their self-published authors. Um, whether you have one book or 100 books, that's one of our old mottos that we used to fly with. Um, we're here to serve. Uh, so we do have a, a large tent that holds lots of different and variant business models. Um, mm. the author publishers, which is what we call self-published authors, just to give a sense that, you know, when, you, when you're in the IBPA tent, you're, you're wearing your publisher hat, you are a publisher. That's about 35% of our membership. And then independent publishers are about 60, 63, something in that range of our membership. And those could be either traditional or hybrid. So we do mm. also have hybrid publishers, which are pay-for-service publishers that are in membership as well. Yeah, yeah. Also, well, I think one of the reasons that I love you and your team and the whole staff at IBPA, we really do need to give a shout They're out so to everyone great. in the office. I mean, they really everyone are. is great. They really are. And, and I have never, ever sent an email where someone didn't A, get back to me right away or B, not have an answer. You know, either here's your answer and here's a resource or I'll find an answer. And for authors and publishers out there trying to make it, you know, and, and compete in publishing, which is kind of a crazy industry there's so much competition and there's so many questions like how do you know how to do it all right and so few moving parts too yeah <laughs> right so easy to i'm like wait what you... yeah yeah exactly that's sarcasm i get i get it <laughs> uh, you had, i just I'll, want the listener to know for a second there, i'm like <laughs> wait what it, i mean to have a resource like that is incredible and has been incredible for me and for my author my author publishers i mean chad and i work primarily with you know, independent authors who maybe have one or three books. Right. We do work with some, you know, hybrid presses and some traditional publishers, but for the most part, we work with a lot of indie self-published authors and the resources at IBPA. I mean, the business of publishing, like Chad said, is so many moving parts and people don't realize how many benefits there are to IBPA. It's not just support it's not just publishing university, which we'll get to because that's I know that's coming up. Um, but there's discounts. There's you know for like getting your ISBNs and talk a little bit about how you serve your publishers and authors. Sure. Um, well, you you now you said so much there that I had so many things pop into my mind to reflect <laughs> on when you were going through that list. I. You know, one of the things I will, and I can get specific about different particular programs and things of that nature, but in general, I'll say independent publishing can feel very lonely. You can feel mm. very siloed. You can feel mm -hmm. like you are up against huge machines. 
particularly, you know, the big New York City, big four publishing conglomerate situation. It can sometimes feel like you are Sisyphus pushing that rock up the mountain all of the time. And where do you get your support, right? You don't have a, a huge staff. You're kind of trying to figure it out on your own. I mean, I think for, for me, that's one of the main values of IVPA, for sure, if you're an independent publisher, but, you know, trade associations in a general sense and why associations exist, mm-hmm. regardless of what uh, trade you might have. I mean, you join organizations like IVPA, so you don't have to do it alone. So you can mm-hmm. engage and network and talk to people and ask questions and, and learn from the mistakes of others and also from the successes of others. So yes, there's definitely very practical member benefits that we provide, discount programs. I, I think our member benefits handbook is like 70 pages right now. It and I totally is. To yeah. the point where I keep telling the member <laughs> benefits committee, I'm like, just almost stop because like how do we you know <laughs> there's like, too much it's, it's, it's a lot to manage but you know it, it's good too I mean it, you never know what is going to be the thing that's going to spark for someone and it, you know mm-hmm. so you kind of again with a big tent you, you kind of try to gather as much as you can under yeah. that tent for people to um, access mm-hmm. but yeah we just want this area this space to feel like a community this, mm-hmm. we are a community and you know together we're definitely stronger and you do have an online community room where people can go in and ask questions of each other, you know, and, and do you still have author advocates? We do. Yeah. We have um, our own discussion forums, you know, back in the, what do they call that? The firewall of the member website. You can go in and, and access and all of our member profiles are there. You can search member profiles and find all the other hybrid publishers in New York State, for example, you know, maybe people you like want to be super, yeah, yeah, exactly. People like you be very proactive about setting up your, your own networks. Um, yeah, we absolutely do have some of that as well. One of the best things about IBPA for me has been publishing university, that opportunity to go to the you know pub you every year and you guys have been so good about moving it from coast to coast so one year it's in new york the next year it's in portland and then it was in austin and what's it been like this last year with with covid i know you had to cancel last year was just heartbreaking and this year you've gone online um talk to us about how that's been for you guys you know just working through the logistics of that yeah what a thing for the whole industry i think you know publishing in general is struggling or has struggled with how do we keep momentum going this face-to-face thing we used to just do everything author readings Mm -hmm. we're always face-to-face in the bookstore we're big conference uh community as well we we do like to get together have cocktails (laughs) and coffee that's right um so you know know, yeah (laughs) yeah exactly we're not the only we're not the only organization that's kind of that had to struggle with that I, i i laugh at us a little bit because our publishing university which is our annual conference i think the name kind of gives it away. It's a publishing university. Um, (laughs) It's in May every year. So, you know, last, I'm sorry, it's in April every year. So last year, you know, the pandemic had just hit and we we spent a lot of time like buying hand sanitizer and, and you know, nobody knew Mm -hmm. how big this was going to be or that actually the best thing would just be to cancel, cancel everything and just sit back and and see, you know, like wait and see and, and make sure that everybody was safe and healthy. So mm-hmm. I laugh at, at, you know, we've got probably 500 mini hand sanitizers still in the <laughs> office. Like that was going to solve the problem at the time. You haven't been selling those for a <laughs> mint on Amazon? <laughs> <laughs> yes, they were a mint to purchase at the time. You're, 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 you have a good memory. Hand sanitizers were not the cheapest 
thing on the market in March 2020. Yeah. Um, you know, so that we just canceled and there was really nothing more to do this year. We've gone fully virtual. What a trip. I recommend mm. <laughs> everyone <laughs> launch a fully virtual conference at one time in their career, if that's what you do. Uh, you know, it's opened up a lot of really interesting opportunities for us. Uh, we're definitely going to be bigger. More people can come and we're going to be international. We have members from overseas that have registered to attend, which I think is awesome. exciting. That is exciting. Um, you know, you can still get the same general educational content. You can, you know, still project out a good amount of information. We're mm -hmm. definitely going to miss the, again, the cocktails and the coffee. That <laughs> isn't really something. But you know, there are other things we can do. You can have cocktails and coffee, I suppose, in your kitchen mm -hmm. where I'm sitting totally. right now. Yeah. But it, those kinds of things will never be the same. But some aspects of it can be better. And, yeah. and, you know, you can still find ways to connect the community. And I just think this idea that we are bigger now because not everybody can always jump on a plane, regardless mm -hmm. of pandemic or no pandemic. Um, so this gives an opportunity for us to reach a lot more people. And we'll keep a virtual aspect in our conference programming, I think, going forward. As everyone, I think, will. I, I, I mean, I imagine they will. I hope they will. <laughs> <laughs> now, I, I wonder, are, are you going to have, so you're going to have live events at this, this event. Now, can someone, is there going to be a way that it's archived so that someone, if they, you know, go yeah. to the event and go to PubU, are they going to be able to access it like some of these uh, recordings. recordings like yeah. later in the year? So that's also another benefit of being virtual is that now you can be in four places at once, maybe not mm -hmm. at the same time, you know, in time, but absolutely record everything and it's all available. So you can be in, you know, we run four concurrent sessions and in an in-person conference, you go to one and that's your, that's your day. And in this right. case, you can go to one and then the other three will be available to you for a month after conference. You can download the recording and watch it. I do, I do love that. I just think there's, there's such good opportunity and an increase in abundance here. It makes it accessible, mm -hmm. you know, in a way that wasn't possible before. Like you said, not everyone can fly. So that's pretty exciting. We had, yeah. we had a similar situation. I mean, the premise is the official podcast of the San Diego Writers Festival. And we had to cancel our first year as well. I think about the same time you did. And we went online and it was so cool to see people from all over the country, you know, tuning in. And I don't know, I was pretty proud of that. Yeah. The idea that yeah. it's accessible, it's inclusive in so many ways, you know. Um, yeah. I agree. I hope we take the lessons, the, the opportunities that we were able to gather here and we move them into the, what do they say, the new normal. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. How long is the, well, Give us the dates of the of pub, pub view this year. The virtual conference, yes. It's April 7th through the 10th of 2021. Wow. So it's still right around the corner. And I think you might be bearing the lead a little bit in that you are one of our speakers. I am, this yeah. Year. So let's That's not right. I do know, know when it is. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, so this caliber of education is what's waiting for you um, at the conference. I, I think, uh, what's the topic that you're going to be speaking on? I'm going to be talking about websites. Websites, of course. Yeah, and branding, author branding, and how publishers can help their authors, you know, develop a brand and reach their audience and use that online tool. I think one of the things that has happened with COVID this year is it's it's made people more comfortable with technology. Mm -hmm. Have you found that to be true with your your membership base? 
I think it is true. Um, I guess I'm, I'm, I stutter only because, you know, when you build an online conference, you are just faced with all of this new technology and you think, wow, hmm. oh gosh, how is anyone going to figure all of this out? But what's interesting is it just is figured out. Like you get mm-hmm. there, you click the buttons and everything definitely works. So mm-hmm. yeah, I do think people have become more technologically literate. And of course, I mean, who hasn't been on a Zoom meeting every day for the past? Right. <laughs> like even your grandparents, like every exactly. single person has figured out how to video conference. It's like the future yeah. is yeah. already here. So yeah. I, I do think things have leapfrogged forward in terms of what people are now willing to do. And for publishing, that's a big deal. You know, I mean, for my audience, I hope I did. Did I just interrupt you? No, no, no. Okay. Go ahead. For, for my audience, you know, talking about websites and author platform and, you know, author branding and, and digital marketing, it's like one of those things that makes people's heads spin. But there's been this shift. And so it's really exciting for me to teach these classes now because I can refer to what you just said. You know, anyone can Zoom. You can do this. Yes. The idea that it's accessible and you can reach your audience anywhere used to feel kind of ethereal to people. They're like, I don't know. But now they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's true. You know, people are willing to go to events, too. I think that's another thing is in the past, people really wanted to be in person. Like even my clients wanted to come in office and sit in front of me. And now that that's not an option, people are way more willing to go to virtual events, virtual Mm -hmm. book signings. And it's, I think, in a lot of ways, I mean, I just interviewed an author who lives in London last week. Yeah, exactly. And then I just- international. Yeah. And I just interviewed an author in Maine. You know, that author wasn't going to travel all over the country or the world. He wasn't going to be able to hit as many bookstores, you know, on his author tour. But now he does one a day. He told me he had done like 20 interviews already. One a day, sometimes two a day. You know, we're really able to reach so many more people and people are willing to tune in too. Um, Yeah. It's such a beautiful that. thing. Yeah, I agree. It's such a beautiful thing. I love, I love the the opportunity for reach there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm not a uh, author platform digital branding expert in any way. You, you're definitely that's definitely more in your wheelhouse. But I, I see the potential for that, and I I really do hope everyone can grab on and ride and and you know take that ride because people are willing. They are. You remember back mm-hmm. in just a year before COVID, I'd try to do a teams meeting with video and people were like my oh doesn't work i don't know <laughs> i don't know what the, i don't just well, well, turn on like nobody's video doesn't turn on anymore <laughs> like right it's like not a problem yeah that happens so yeah, yeah absolutely unless you're a lawyer and not uh-huh. a cat oh my gosh that was the funniest thing and i know exactly i am willing to go forward i am not a cat that was the funniest thing. <laughs> oh how has COVID affected you personally, Angela? Um, you know, I think that's such an interesting question to ponder. I ha- I haven't pondered it in a minute because I've been working so hard. I think one of the things that it did, we immediately all went into our homes. Mm-hmm. You know, we haven't been working as a staff in office together since March of 2020, so an entire year. Mm-hmm. We have a lot of staff zooms now but um i think one of the things was that but we never it it felt like things sped up they didn't slow down totally yeah i don't know how that happened but like we just definitely went into hyperdrive i think because as maybe your listeners will appreciate 
you couldn't just do the thing you did anymore. You had to, everything that you were going to do, you had to rethink it in some way, even if a tiny bit. So there was no autopilot. It was, it was new, fully, all of it. You know, even just like, you know, I can't walk over to the marketing director's desk and say, you know, change this font or something, or this font bothers me. It seems like a weird thing to be worried about, but yeah, mm, you know, no, like every, no, not at all. No, <laughs> Thank you. Won't you. <laughs> we totally From get the that. website. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, that used to be a kind of a simple thing and now everything is more of a process. So in terms of my work life, yeah, that was a big adjustment. But a year into it, I'm sensing like we kind of are in a groove. So I've talked with a lot of my friends about this too. Interested in what you guys think about it. Like people are not that interested in jumping right back into the nine to five office yes. life. <laughs> yeah, totally. So it was it was a grind to get it figured out. But now that it's figured out, I think that people enjoy it very much in many I, ways. They find it. Yeah. I, I can't imagine anyone, especially, you know, those of us who live in Southern California are going to be willing to get back into traffic for an hour, an hour and a half a day yeah. each way. Yeah. When you, yeah, you don't have to do it. Why, why would you do that? It's weird. Yeah. I drive by these yeah. office buildings, like these huge office buildings, right? And they're empty. And I think to myself, all of those people are at home now. They're not going to want to go back to those cubicles. Why would they? No, there's going, I, I mean, I'm not, I have no crystal ball in front of me, but there's this, uh, I believe a lot of shared workspace will become a bit of a new thing, new normal. I hate that term, but let's, I used it twice. So I guess I'm in now. We use um, it too. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I'll, I'll say this other thing too, and it's a broader publishing thing. It, you know, not an independent publishing is nationwide. There are independent publishers all over this country doing a lot of really interesting and very cool work. But the main, you know, big four are in New York City. Mm -hmm. Very expensive place to live. So what is the entry salary for a traditional publishing employee is in the $30,000 range, $30,000 or $40,000. Mm. It's impossible. So one thing that I think is going to be interesting for the book publishing industry, you know, at large is getting a lot more people involved in the industry who don't have to move to New York City to be involved in the industry at that yeah. level. So you can live anywhere you want. And I love that idea. We need more diversity in, in publishing. We need people with different points of view from different parts of the country. So we don't always get that memoir of the young woman who moved to New York and found herself. Like I've read right. that memoir so much. <laughs> so many times, yeah. Totally. So many times. Because, and then got yeah, sick of it all and ran off to yeah. Yeah. <laughs> for one, so of the, one of the big trails across country. Right, exactly. That that also happens, you know, because that's like a known experience to a lot of the editors who are sitting in New York City offices. So, in in a lot of ways, I think it could it could really help with, um, you know, the kind of content that gets published to just broaden the types of content, the kind of mm -hmm. content that we can publish. You lived in New York, right? I did when I for twelve years. So I moved there for the grad school at uh, NYU with their publishing mm -hmm. program, and I stayed for twelve years. Mm, wow. wow! I don't think I'd do it again. I'm old now. I'm, I'm old. <laughs> you are not. I'm not the young thing I was bouncing around <laughs> in the subway. Well, I'll be honest. I'm too old to live in New York too. <laughs> Jack <laughs> and I just... did it. We're like, no. Yeah. Too old yeah. for that. I remember when you moved to LA and I mean, that had been kind of scary to just like up and move your life of 12 years in New York City and move to Los Angeles where like things move a lot faster but on a totally different, I don't know if they've moved faster. I don't know if that's right. 
But like in New York, it's like a microcosm, right? Every, you can get yeah. everywhere on foot. And in LA, it's like all car, automobile driven, right? Oh, I don't Such think a- I could stress the difference enough. It, <laughs> it felt like, I think you're remembering this because we met when I first moved here. And I think the entire first year I was like, I just what have I done? shocked. Yeah, I, was, yeah. I couldn't understand. And I, I was like, I'm moving back to New York. Moving back. <laughs> this is this is crazy. Yeah. Except for the weather. The weather. Yeah. Good. Well, the weather has me now. I'm in. Yeah, I get you. Yeah. I'm you in. know what's funny is I was in Los Angeles. BEA and IBPA were held. Used to be held on the same weekend or in the same week. Make it easier. And I was at the conference, and I was standing on the corner, and there was this woman who had like stepped four steps out into the street. She was getting ready to cross mm-hmm. against the light, right? She was waiting for it to turn green. And I remember I looked at her and I'm looking around and I'm like, oh my God, this woman's going to die. I reached out and I tapped her on the shoulder and I kind of like pulled her back and I said, are you from New York? <laughs> and she said, looked at me with this like look on her face like, yes, what? <laughs> and I said, in in Los Angeles, cars will just run you down. <laughs> I think you should yeah. move back into the sidewalk. Here. And she was like, oh, thank you. And like right then this car just like, zoomed by and it was just funny that's that's it yeah oh my gosh you're halfway across the street before the light even turns yeah totally that's very very new york familiar and if you're not you're a tourist people are like what is wrong with you (laughs) um Um, let's let's talk about awards that's one of my favorite things about ibpa are the book awards the benjamin franklin's great i I agree me too and in general (laughs) award you know awards the books that are, are amazing and getting awarded, absolutely. Chad has um, two books to under his belt that have won in the Ben Franklin's that he designed. What? I figure we should yeah. just mention that. You should plug, plug. That's amazing. Congratulations. Well, I, I think, are they both uh, Patagonia books? They're both Patagonia books, yeah. So yeah. I think it, cool. was, uh, it was either Path of the Puma or, yeah. Or maybe it's three books. I don't know. Maybe Fitzroy was in there, Path of the Puma, the Mountain. Yeah, I don't know. Alan Steck's book, yeah. Well, but back to... I don't remember because I'm I'm not allowed he's to He's the designer. He doesn't him. get any of the credit. <laughs> the Patagonia the Publisher credit. Award. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> we got to give the designer some credit. We got to put that somewhere. <laughs> right? Yeah. Well. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, I mean, I'm going to push for that, sure. <laughs> I've been... I haven't... In the last two years, I haven't, but I've been a... And a judge for the Benjamin Franklin Awards for, for years, Chad and I both. And it's been such a rewarding experience. And I think the best piece in the last seven years is the quality of books coming out of indie publishers and small presses in the United States. They've yeah. just gotten so much better. It's incredible. And Because we're doing design awards. We're doing design awards. Are we allowed it to say is. that? Yeah. Oh, you can. It's up to you, but you'd get the phone calls, not us. You know, we keep keep our judges. uh, The the Benjamin Franklin Awards is is the award program for the Independent Book Publishers Association. We do keep our judges anonymous, I guess. Yeah, secret. We're secret. Um, Just in case. Just in case. People don't know what books we. (laughs) There's a lot of categories. Right. So. And it's been years. It's been years. Um, but but I think my point is is like well, first of all, it's a wonderful opportunity and i'd like you to talk a little bit about that but before i hand it over to you what i want to say is that i definitely credit ibpa for bringing this level of professionalism to match traditional publishing yes 
there was a time when you know small presses just weren't at that level oh you could pick them out of a lineup and it was painful mm -hmm. you really mm -hmm. could and it was just little things and then you started offering classes and resources and education and you know the indie what is the name of the magazine the ivpa the independent? independent the yeah. independent yeah just the articles in there and just everything was telling people you know here's where you need to be and here's how you can get there and it happened and it happened i would say within like a couple like four years i just this marked difference and there was this just amount of outreach that was so impressive and and of course there were always wonderful presses small presses in the united states that's not to say that they didn't exist i don't mean that but i do mean like all of them like the level has just risen in such a way that i've just been like so proud of us mm -hmm. i included me in this i'm part you of it should. you are <laughs> you are so, anyone everyone in the community is yeah yeah and that's another thing about ibpa is the community is so warm and so welcoming like you never feel like you're competing you always feel like I'm here for you. I've been through it. I have answers. If I don't have them, I'll get them. And you know, not just IBPA staff, but other members. You know, when I go to PubU and when I meet people in IBPA, it's just this like camaraderie that's like really beautiful. It's cool. Yeah, I think um, I think that's it. That's something I've seen across a lot of independent publishing communities. You know, definitely mm -hmm. we are we are lucky. I feel very very blessed and very lucky to work for IBPA because it's the independent book publishers. It's, you're absolutely right. They, they are so generous with their time from our board of directors all the way down through the membership and they share mm -hmm. ideas, you know? Yeah. And I think our, um, our chair, Carla Olson, who is actually the director of Patagonia Books. Um, yeah, that's right. So you know. Yeah. I think I've heard of her. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I will not get her metaphor correct, probably, but she always often talks about how, you know, making books, it's, it's, it's not like making hangers. Right. Like if I buy a hanger, I have a hanger. I don't need your hanger. doesn't matter if it's a better <laughs> hanger than what's what is a better hanger. I don't know. It's got grad grips. I don't know. You know, if I if I buy a book on history of World War Two, I, I like World War Two. I'll probably buy another book on the history of World War Two. You can you know, it builds on each other. It's not a finite mm -hmm. game publishing. So me sharing my expertise or things that I know or tips and tricks that I've come to understand. I mean, it, it doesn't negate my work in any way to elevate mm -hmm. your work. Totally. It really doesn't, especially if we're dealing with, and as you've mentioned, books that are increasingly professional. And mm -hmm. I love that. When I came from the book industry study group, which is where I worked prior to IVPA, my whole job there was so geeky, just <laughs> barcodes and <laughs> metadata and right. you know, ISBNs. And, and I, I love it. You know, So when it, definitely when I came to IVPA, it was a big mission to say, it does not matter what your business model is. It doesn't matter if you have one book or if you're pushing 50, 100 books a year or whatever, 10 books a month, professionalism matters. That's the thing, mm -hmm. you know, that's going to elevate you. Your book should stand on the shelf at a Barnes and Noble next to a Penguin Random House book and be none, no different, you know, in terms of um, the fit for genre, price point, yep. the specs, mm -hmm. the, you know, your metadata as you push it through the supply chain at, at more of a digital level. It's all important and fun, I think. Not everybody oh, loves yeah. it, but I love it. I think it's fun. <laughs> I do too. And I, not to blow Carla's metaphor completely out of the water, sure. but I, Let's guarantee, do it. <laughs> I guarantee somewhere in this, you know, connected world on the internet, there is a hanger appreciation group. Yeah. <laughs> who would beg to differ with you. I bet you're right. There's a hanger association. 
for sure. <laughs> and I guarantee there, there's like the pinnacle, the premium of all hangers that everyone yes. lusts for after. I like wooden hangers personally. I feel like they're easier on my, you know, my fibers, oh, if you man. will. Right. Carla, she's, she can't, she can't live this down. You guys blew such a hole in that. <laughs> I'm going to have to so call her. I'm like, so about these hangers. <laughs> so yeah. tell our listeners about the Ben Franklin's. So the Benjamin Franklin Awards, um, it, it is the award program for the Independent Book Publishers Association, the program that we run. Um, we run it on behalf of our membership, but if you're not a member, you can still enter. It's You pay a little bit more and you get a free membership. That's how we get over that hurdle. Mm. So the extra cool. that you pay to enter the program is actually kind of a discounted membership fee for the association. Ah, you rope them in. Cool. Yeah. Well, you know, once you get in, hopefully you see value in other things besides the, the award program. Um, we run it every year. As you said, I think we have 50 categories. I will give a huge shout out to our COO, Terry Nathan, who has been with IBPA for almost 30 years mm. and has run the IBPA program the entire time. Um, that it's, you know, I think the program has been in place for 34 years, so he's run it on almost its entire duration um so many about 50 categories all the different genres are represented and yeah every year it, it's great it's wonderful to see the kind of professional books that come through and it it's interesting to me because you know again so many business models and so many different publisher sizes some independent publishers are huge you know and yeah. put out lots and lots of books and those books are in the same category with the one book author publisher mm -hmm. who just published their own book so you, you know, and, and the scorecard is the same. So you have every opportunity to win an award, you know, stacked against a company of any size. And I think that's great. And the author publishers often win, sometimes the larger indies win, but it's just a fun thing to watch and to see kind of what cream rises to the top. It's fun. It's so cool to be there. But I want to say like you did a virtual announcing this last year in 2020 that was really yeah. cool i actually really appreciated how you put that together tell us a little bit about that we did uh yeah because we usually do that in april as well so everything shut down and we did we called it the shelter in place ivpa benjamin franklin award program <laughs> um, and created video acceptance speeches we just had all the finalists send in a, re a recording of themselves so we could feature them and we didn't tell them if they won but if they did then we they got to um, we got to play their recorded acceptance speech. We played with social media. We pulled social media up. We ran contests. Um, did a lot with hashtags and such. It was it was fun. And, and on, we're going to do the same this year actually because we're not traveling through 2021. Mm -hmm. Just to keep cool. the staff safe and just not to give people stress. You know, like to, I remember when we canceled Publishing University last year. The flood that I got was thank you. For, it's almost like we made their decision for yeah. them yeah. because they didn't want to say yeah. no, but they also were very nervous about going. And so let's just not give people that stress, I think, for this we year. We experienced so, the same yeah. thing. Yeah. So many yeah. people reached out and said, thank you. Yeah. 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 So um, we'll do a virtual Ben ceremony this year as well. Tune in to see who's winning. I think it's uh, May 11th, 12th, 13th, and 14th. Oh, wow. We'll do it in okay. The evenings. Very cool. A star-studded event, no doubt. <laughs> no just doubt. like the Grammys, <laughs> yeah. only. Yeah. Definitely red carpet worthy, 100%. I just got my bridesmaid's dress for my sister's wedding. You've given me an idea. 
Mm, I, <laughs> I like I this. Will. You'll have to send photos. You can use it twice. <laughs> yeah, I think I will wear it. Well, congratulations to your sister. Are you going to have to travel for that wedding? Um, yeah, it's in Michigan. Okay. So I will, Hopefully. but it's not until August. That's a long drive. Um, people should be have their vaccinations by then. But that's a little bit nerve-wracking, too. I, we went to a wedding last year. Our niece got married. And, boy, that was kind of like, wow, okay. But it was yeah. kind of early on, you know, um, and, it, and everything was fine. No one got sick. Very safe. Um, but back to the Ben Franklin. We did drive. We did drive. <laughs> we refused to fly. But, you mm -hmm. know, every once in a while, you just need to do a nice road trip. Sure. It's a beautiful country. So the Ben Franklins are open. When, when do they open again for books published? I know they just closed recently and we're getting ready to see the awards. But when will people be able to enter their book for 2020 titles? 2021 20, titles. 2021 titles. So you have to have a copyright date of 2021 in okay. order to enter the program that's going to open on May 15th. Oh, May. Wow. Okay. Good to know. Yeah. May 15. We're all, we're angling toward that. Um, and you have, the weird thing is the end, you know, the deadline to enter is December 15th. So we always get those wow. people at the end of the year who, who don't pub, like, they're like, well, my book, book published on December 31st. You still have to get it in before December 15th. Yeah. Um, but yeah, any book with a copyright date of 2021 can enter. And I'm certain nice. we have a genre for you. Yep. Um, oh, I'm sure of it. Website. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I got to tell our listeners, if you have a book, if you know someone who has a book, recommend the Ben Franklin's. Fabulous award. It really means something when you get an award like that in terms of, you know, getting into libraries and reviewers paying attention. I mean, it's just really a beautiful award. And there's a lot of them out there. Um, it's one of my favorites. So I highly recommend it. So May 15th, check it up or check it out. <laughs> and the URL is ibpa-online.org. Is that right? Did I get that Yeah, right? that's our main website. Yeah, that should okay. get them anywhere they need to go. And Publishing University is going to be, again, the dates are April 7th, April 7th through the 10th. Mm -hmm. And people can still get tickets, right? And you can get tickets. Yeah, absolutely. I, I wonder if we'll ever shut it off. I don't know. Why would you? It's virtual. Like the world exactly. is our oyster. We can do anything <laughs> we want. So yeah, tickets are still available on the website. How, can you give people sort of a sampling of the type of classes that will be available to attendees? Sure. Um, we do this... Uh, we do keynotes and we do kind of like breakout sessions. So I'll, I'll give you a sense of the kind of the full conference content will be uh, one is a conversation with the Barnes and Noble CEO, James Daunt. Oh, cool. Who will be speaking with our board chair about the direction that Barnes and Noble is taking to be more local. Mm, so we definitely came on the that. scene. Yeah, me too. And I'm, I'm very curious to see how it kind of um, manifests itself. Mm. When he became the CEO last year, he made a lot of noise about empowering his local booksellers to purchase on behalf of their store as opposed to keeping it kind of centralized in New York City and then, you know, farming all the books out to the different locations. So I think with that kind of philosophy, you could see how a Barnes & Noble, you know, the, the selection could change a bit because it's more localized. So, and it could be better for local publishers, regional publishers, author publishers who kind of want to be in their Barnes & Noble you know, of course, we want to be national in every Barnes and Noble, but maybe it'll be a little easier to get into their local Barnes and Noble. Yeah, yeah, that's great. 
That's cool. Um, look so that'll be a fun conversation. Yeah, yeah. I'm definitely so weird thinking of, of Barnes and Noble as a local bookstore. Now. Yeah, totally right. I know. Thanks, Amazon. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Remember when it was like it was the 300 pound gorilla, and mm-hmm. now yeah. it's not. Now we're rooting really. for him. Mm-hmm. I know. Now we really, really want them to stick around. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I do. I hope they do. Um, we have a. Uh, the other keynote we have is the Voices for Inclusion in the Book Publishing Industry. Yes. Um, with a bunch of different uh, people. We have a children's book publisher uh, from Lee and Low Books and a more adult book publisher from uh, Barrett Kohler Books and SCBWI's April Powers just talking about issues of inclusion and in book publishing and how can we address that in the independent publishing community. How are we doing? How are we not Wonderful. doing? Wonderful. That's great. Yay. Yeah. So the, in the high level, more strategic conversations, that's the kind of thing we want to talk about. The The breakout sessions are more practical. Like like you said, you're doing something on websites. Very mm-hmm. practical. Everyone needs one. We'll do stuff on selling books on Amazon, on PR and marketing, lots of marketing classes. We'll even do standards so you can learn how to make your barcode correctly. So <laughs> if somebody doesn't take your book, flip it around and say, something doesn't look right about mm-hmm. this. Mm-hmm. What is it exactly? Um, so we'll do more practical, like how to make and how to market and how to distribute books um, as part of the general conference. I love that you have a class on standards. So important. I do too. My gosh, I'm so, thank you for being a geek with me. I mean, well, how, <laughs> it's, it's that thing that you don't, I call it book in hand. And I don't know if I made that up or what, but we're a publishing professional particularly, but a reader too mm-hmm. can pick up a book. And look at it and just be like, this, something's not right. Something doesn't feel right. What yeah. is it? And, uh-huh. you know, when you think about it on the spine of a book, which is supposed to have those three elements, you guys are designers, you know, mm-hmm. the title, the author, and the publisher insignia. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you you leave off the publisher insignia and, like, something in People your brain, like, like what? Yeah. sounds weird. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And the, so, yeah, it matters. Or you get a, a book that says, buy by Jennifer oh, Thompson. there's another one. And I'm That's like, oh, one. why did you do that? You know, we know it's report. by you. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Your name's on the cover, for God's sake. Of course you wrote it. <laughs> yeah, know. those those little things are so important. They're so, and it's so fun. If, you, if you're a fan of trivia, maybe you love that stuff too. But yeah, it definitely, it definitely makes it, it's the difference between an amateur looking book, amateurish looking book, and one that just looks professional, professionally done. You know, that's something I want to call out for the Benjamin Franklins too. When people enter to win, it, you don't just win or lose. The judges take the time to write up what wasn't working or what was working. So you get this wonderful feedback from experts in the industry. And that's pretty priceless. I don't know another award program that does that I in don't terms either. of its transparency. You know, to yeah. get your judging cards back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I can't say every single time it, it's knocked out of the park, right? Like sometimes it's, <laughs> you just get the scores and we'll get that publisher calling us in the office saying, well, what, where's the written feed? You know, where, where's yeah, the, I didn't get it. Yeah. Yeah. I thought I was going to get a review and I'm like, oh, I guess not this time on this one. So it doesn't, you know, I, I never want to oversell a hundred percent, but you, you'll absolutely get the scores back and, and to the degree that there is written feedback that comes to you as well. And I love that for increasing uh, the professionalism. Sure, I think you can that's learn. part of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because if you enter a contest, I mean, you think that you have done it the best you can. I would hope so. Right? Yes. But if you don't know, you don't know. And that's 
that's the beauty of having a community and an association like IBPA. Yeah, yeah. and that publisher insignia on the on the spine is like an immediate nope. <laughs> Like, yeah. As far as, you know, the design stuff we've done in the past. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We're not being weird. Like that's, that's a thing. That's, that's a thing, <laughs> people. That's mm -hmm. a thing. Yeah. I had an sure. author email me today. I, we just designed an interior and she said, some of the pages are missing page numbers. Mm. <laughs> and I said, well, we tend not to put them on those pages. You know, you don't yep. put the titling. I mean, you can. Or, you know, another one I find a lot, and I don't know if this is ever mentioned, but the word acknowledgments, how it's mm -hmm. spelled. You'll never see it spelled with that extra E in acknowledge God, in the traditional publishing world. But somehow indie publishers do it all the time and it drives me crazy. And it's and when you look it up in the dictionary, it can be either way, but it's just sort of like this unspoken standard, right? Yeah. Yeah. And you know, you don't want to be too, I, well, I guess sometimes I do want to be too precious because I <laughs> kind of think it's fun, but like <laughs> pedantic. And, yeah, exactly. So, and it's in one case, you're like, oh, it's six to one, half a dozen the other. And why are the gatekeepers making me, you know, these decisions do this yeah. or that and jump through these hoops and learn all these weird things. But, you know, it's the industry. And I, I think, obviously, I went to graduate school for publishing. I, I, I think it's a profession. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I engage with it as a profession, as a professional endeavor in an industry. You know, it's, there's a lot of publishing hobbyists. And I think that that is fine and good, too. I think if you have a story to tell and, and you want to press that story out, I think, that's, yeah. I think that's a great thing to do. But I do totally. also believe there's a difference between hobbyists and professionals. And you can apps you can jump that line. It is not an impossible hurdle. I just mixed my metaphors completely there, but you can <laughs> jump that hurdle, cross that line. Uh, it just you know it does, but it takes understanding these things that feel weird, like you don't put page numbers maybe on your title on your chapter, mm -hmm. first chapter pages. You know, like I, yeah, mm -hmm. learn that if you learn that stuff, you can really you can really move forward quickly. I think so too. Yeah. Yeah. It's fun. I think it's fun. I think it's fun too. I mean, I love it. I love the opportunity and I love seeing books get better and I love seeing books get acknowledged and read, you know, I'm, yeah. there's so many amazing stories out there and so many amazing storytellers. And I think what IBPA has done is made it possible for those storytellers to have their story heard and read, you know, um, finding yeah. your audiences. I mean, I tell my, my clients all the time. I mean, once you've finished the book, that's when the hard part starts. Oh my goodness. And that's, people oh. look at me with this look like, oh God, <laughs> I know. please because, don't tell me uh, that. Writing a book is hard, but, but getting it into the world correctly and finding your audience is harder. Marketing your book is hard. And if you don't have help, it's even harder. God bless. God bless the publishers in the world. Uh, mm -hmm. I totally agree with you. It's, what are they? It's like you had the baby and now you got to raise the baby, you know, totally. it That's nine good... months to gestate. I'm going to be weird. Like I don't to, you know, to, you know, have a baby. And then it takes you 18 years theoretically to raise in your home. It just, it's longer. It's that that's the long game is after the publication happens, you think you're done. And, and then, the, and then the work begins. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Not to mm -hmm. scare anybody off, but yeah. Well, I think, you know, when you're drawn to or called to tell your story, like not, there's no hurdle too high. Right. If that's your passion, if that's what you need to do, um, 
I always think of Dan Pointer. <laughs> yeah. I think of things like this, you know, you can, you can get your story out there. Um, don't let anything hold you back. What did he say? Don't, don't die with a book inside you. That's exactly what he said. <laughs> do you remember? That's, did you know Dan? I did. Yeah. I, not super well because, um, I, I went to lunch with him a couple of times when I started seven, eight years ago. Um, and that was my experience, but I absolutely understand his legacy and, um, his legacy in independent publishing and also within IBPA, he had a really strong connection to the association for a long time mm -hmm. as well. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely for, a pioneer. Yeah, totally. For our listeners, we called him the grandfather of self-publishing. Mm -hmm. And he published, I don't know, what was it, like over a hundred books or more than I should say. On things from skydiving to cat fancy. Yes. Yes. Cat fancy. <laughs> <laughs> so well, great. Speaking of legacies, I, I don't think we can end this conversation without giving a shout out to Jan, Nathan, and, you know, as well as Terry. And Terry, you had mentioned as the COO, who is the son of the founder of the original IBPA. So do you want to talk a little yeah. bit about her and her legacy and why she started the organization to begin with? I would love to be able to do that. Um, yeah, you know, Jan was the, she was the director for almost the entirety of IBPA's uh, tenure as an association. It was founded in 1983, so that's a while. Mm -hmm. um, we had another part-time director, uh, Flory Kitchler, after Jan. She passed away. And then me. So there yeah. haven't really been that many you know, that have come through, and Jan was absolutely the heart and soul. I think, mm. I think to just build something like this, you have to be this force of Passionate. nature. And you totally. have to be like this tornado of community. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. people got to really like being around you and really <laughs> like the energy that you're mm -hmm. promoting and bringing into the space. And, and, you know, Jan was all of those things. Absolutely. For sure. And I do think that if I take just a, a minute to, to give the, how it started, it just, I, I love this because I think we can all start things like this. And then if you pull the momentum, so you know, Jan was in California and she wanted to go to Book Expo, which you've a BEA at the time, probably mm -hmm. in 1983. And so, so did like 16 of her other local California publishers, but they all didn't have the money to go independently and buy a booth and do that thing. I mean, it's very expensive to do kind of trade. So, so Jan said, listen, I'll go, I'll, I'll rent the booth. You send your books with me. I'll put all of our books in, in the same place and I'll rep it for you. Hmm. It wasn't like a, an association. It wasn't like she was just somebody who was practical and said, yeah. well, we can't all afford to go. Let's just band together and we'll do it cooperatively. It was very cooperative. <laughs> and it just is such a success Like when you do that, when you are able to band together. And she came back and it made sense. And there seemed to be other ways that independent publishers could cooperate in order to increase their size and you know the amount of advocacy they could do. And, and that kind of spawned the creation of the association which was the Publishers Marketing Association when it launched, but has since become P um, IBPA. Mm -hmm. I just find that so inspiring. I do too. Like, like what, do you, what do you want to do that you can't do alone right now? Mm -hmm. Could you do that if you were able to cooperatively involve others that are in your space? Like, you know, I mean, and I know also it takes a certain personality to, people trusted her. Totally. to do it well you know you don't just send anybody with your baby to new york mm. city <laughs> to sit in a booth <laughs> right? and rep it yeah you know you send somebody you trust 
And uh, she definitely, you know, garnered trust from people that worked with her. And she had such heart and such a smile and always warm and welcoming. Really a beautiful person. Yeah. And she got all the way, I feel like it's an appreciation fest, but when I was a young, I went to uh, 23, maybe 25 when I started grad school. Um, and I started working at the book industry study group and she was the treasurer of BISG's board of directors. So mm. like she was just in all of the things like, yeah, it's another part of how to kind of be successful. Yeah, absolutely. She was, she was a treasurer of this association. So I, I met her when I was very young. Can you, gosh, I think about that little 25 year old mm. meeting yeah. her at that time and not really knowing so many years later what were, we would be kind of in legacy together. Yeah. That's That's very cool. It's really cool. Yeah, that's so awesome that you met her. I didn't know that. I'm glad you shared that. Yeah, she was great. And Terry, Terry Nathan, who is still with IBPA and such a, he's just like his mom was in that way. He's just always friendly, always has a handshake for you and even a hug. (laughs) I do say he is the nicest man I have ever met in my entire life. Totally, yeah. Sometimes I'm like, oh, you're so nice. How do you do it? How do you do it? And I think that's why everyone at IBPA too feels like that friendliness. It's just, it's contagious, you know? Yeah, it's a good, it's a good energy. It's a good energy. I hope we can project it out to so that the membership feels it too. Um, mm. That's, that's yeah. my goal. And we also, you know, we have Lee Wynn and Christopher Locke and Ilsa Alva. Ilsa Alva, she's also with us. They, they just all kind of, they all bring their A game. Absolutely. We got to interview Lee, Lee Wind on The Promise. Yeah, he was one of the first two. Right? Yeah. Yeah, that's Is when. He number two, maybe number what three. What a joy. Whew. Yep. Yeah, yeah he he's, was got a, he's got a lot to share. He that's does. Great. He's a fantastic author and a great voice. Well, this has been so delightful. Thank you so much, Angela, for taking the time to just sit and chat about publishing and the, the business of publishing and and how publishers can bring their A, a game, as you say. I love it. I love next that time, space Next time to do we'll this. talk about tracking, letting, and kerning. Can we? <laughs> can you invite me to your the geekiest totally. one that you have? And I'll, I will 100%. I would love to be there. Actually, I think this is a really good idea. Mm-hmm. Just talk about metadata, kerning, letting, all of it. All I the will, geeky stuff. I will talk about metadata. It will be fun. We'll make it fun. <laughs> People are like, it's totally possible. (laughs) I've sat in on Angela's classes. I think it's possible. It's possible. (laughs) Is there anything else that you would like to say to our listeners just about, you know, the business of publishing advice or, I don't know, something we didn't talk about that you wish we had? I'll just reiterate, I think, what, if you're, if you're, writing so if, if a lot of your listeners are, are writing and they're thinking they're going to self-publish or they're they're even going to find a publisher i mean i think find your community it could be ibpa that would be great for us of course we would we would welcome you but if it's not us then find something else that makes sense to you where you know you can find like-minded people that are uh supportive and helpful and whom you can support and help but it, just find community to be so important so that would be the last thing i would say is wherever that is for you lean into that experience and let's not work in silos or work all alone. It's not necessary anymore. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. I'd also like to tell people that on ibpa-online.org, you can find a list of affiliates around the country. So if you want something more hyper-local, 
there's tons of affiliate organizations like publishers and writers here in San Diego. Um, publishers and Writers of San Diego is the name of the organization. Great group. And they're all over the country. There are. Yeah, absolutely. That's a good point. It's under the resource section of the website. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if anything, go check out the website. Look at the resources. The first thing you'll do is be like, why am I not a member? And then you'll become a member. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I have a personal question. Great. Do you have a favorite book of 2020 that you'd like to share with us? Oh, or man. even 2021, if you've read one this year that you love. I will name one, but I need I need you to know that I'm in a book club that reads three books a year. I mean, three books a month, three books oh, a year. Oh, I was going to say, that's not very I know, much. It's not very three much. Three books a um, month? That's yeah, incredible. So sometimes I power through them and then I forget Overachievers. what Overachievers. Yeah, right? <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. Um, yeah, so that's such a great question. I think um, I think in 2020, the, the best book I read was a series of books, of three books, um, N.K. Jemison. These are not new books. They're newer, but not they, they weren't obviously all three published in 2020. Um, but it was her Broken Earth trilogy, uh, N.K. Jemison. It was just this fantastic world-building space, this amazing female protagonist who I was like, yes, I loved mm. it. I loved her. I loved, I loved her journey. You know, I think a lot of times we read female protagonist whose whole journey is getting a relationship and it doesn't right. happen that often in the sci-fi fantasy series. Thank God it definitely <laughs> didn't happen here. She was just a badass. If I could say, if I could say you can, I would say yeah. she was. Yeah. Nice. PG-13. Okay, yeah. It was great. So the, the broken earth trilogy was really, really fun to read. Very cool. Awesome. And Chad. Oh yes. My perennial <laughs> question. <laughs> Imagine you are stranded on a desert island and you can pick but one book to read for the rest of your days. What would that be? Just one. She doesn't get three. Okay, fine. Three. Jeez. Sometimes, you know, it's like your desert <laughs> island picks. It's, you know, know, it's like, do you, do you choose one, one three, five, seven, ten? I mean, ten would be here all day. That's true. But I figure, you know, okay, top three. We'll, we'll go with that. Top three. All right. What do you got? Oh, see, now I feel, so I'll just, I'll just say, since I just said, I'll say the N.K. Jemison. I'm just loving her. So <laughs> yes, I'll say all, whichever one of those I can bring. I used to always say my favorite book was Slaughterhouse-Five. It definitely was when book. I was in high school. Yeah. yeah. So I, I feel like I need to take that probably with me. And then I really love, and I often reread Remains of the Day, oh, which I, haven't I, just, I find it to be very, it's definitely a very melancholy story, but I, I, I just love the ending of that book. I won't. I guess I can't spoiler what it is, but uh, if you if you've read Remains of the Day and you remember the ending and what happens in the ending of that book, I just I find it so poignant and touching, and I and never was, get tired of reading it. That was turned into a movie, right? Yeah, that was Anthony Hopkins and Emma, another woman, Emma Thompson. Yeah, yes, Anthony that's Hopkins her name. And Emma Thompson. Yeah, very good. Oh, I love Emma Thompson. You know, she's great. you just, she is great. So is Anthony Hopkins. You just said something that I think is really interesting. So recently I decided to put together my like top 10 books of all time. And I had such a hard time, obviously, mm -hmm. being a book reader. But I wonder if I were to go back and read those books now, would they still be in my top 10? Or was that like my top 10 for then? You know, we change as people. 
Oh, right. Man, Would you put any Tom Robbins yeah. in your, in your yeah. top 10 still? Like his jitter, cause jitterbug <laughs> perfume was actually one of my favorite books and half asleep in frog pajamas was really good too. But does that still deserve to be in my top 10 or Anna Karenina was one of my favorite books. But what about, I now? recommend it. You know, my book club does this. We'll go back. So we, we just read wrinkle in time. Did you mm. remember that from your childhood? Mm-hmm. Wow. It didn't hold up for most of us. We didn't enjoy it. <laughs> It really? wasn't fun. I remember loving that book as a child, like absolutely oh. loving A Wrinkle in Time. And as a grown woman, I was like, I don't know. And we're just about to read Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret. Oh. I cannot wait. I cannot wait to read and talk <laughs> about that with a bunch of women in their late 40s. Like, I think it's going to be fantastic. I love so, revisiting books. And you know what? I've never done that. I can't think of any book I've ever read twice. Yeah, it's, you know, there's so many new books to read. I don't even know. It's hard to. Well, you started Ulysses like a dozen times. Well, yeah, but that doesn't count. (laughs) (laughs) He's throwing me under the bus. I know. I know. (laughs) Well, I have so many books around me. It's ridiculous. There's always more books to read. You know, I really appreciate all that you do and Thank you so much for taking the time for, for everything you do for, for publishers and, and authors alike. And um, I look forward to pub- publishing university. Give our listeners the dates one more time, please. Sure. Yeah. Publishing university this year, April 7th through 10th from there your living room. From your living room. You can wear slippers, people. Mm-hmm. I love that. I've had a, a year of COVID and slippers. <laughs> No, I didn't have COVID. I might, I might be wearing slippers right now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I might be, but you, you don't need to reveal that. <laughs> well, awesome. Well, thank you so much. And how can people follow you on social media? Um, mostly through the association. So um, on our, we have a face, the Facebook, the Twitter, the Instagram, the website. Um, you can find my contact information on our website, ivpa-online.org. Um, that's the best way, just in a general IVPA space. We're all, if you send us an email, we'll, we will write you back. Yeah, every time. It's incredible. Yeah, every time. All right. Well, with that, thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Actually, we'll hear you. No, well, you'll hear, hear us. us. That's it. It's a fine line. <laughs> no one's going to see anyone. <laughs> we don't do that. All right. This has been another episode of The Premise. Thank you for listening. And if you have the time, we would love it if you could rate or review us on wherever you get your podcasts. It really helps. And remember to follow us at Pod Premise on Twitter. You can also follow us on Instagram, SD Writers Fest. And remember to check out the San Diego Writers Festival. It's going to be virtual this year, coming up for two dates, July 17th and July 31st. You can find more information about that, SanDiegoWritersFestival.com. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. Goodbye.